Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Hello, 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 guys. Be Real is back. We are still in quarantine. We are still dealing with the pandemic. It's been rough. How are you today, Diana? <laughs> you know, um, I'm having a really good day. Uh, this morning, I started a 30-day yoga challenge with myself, all by myself. So that's feeling like day one, done, success. Plus, I'm super excited for our guest today. I am super excited. Hard to pin down this one, okay. but we managed to pin her down. So I'm going to go right ahead and say, hey, Veronica Vahidi, how are you? I am so giddy and happy and excited to be here. You know, whenever I see your face, Diana, I get giddy. I know. The same excitement overcomes me. Same. So we're just going to jump right in. So why don't you tell the listeners who you are? That's a deep question. Who am I really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Just, <laughs> you can take this. Okay. You can take you, this wherever you want to go. Okay. Do you want to go in the existential realm or like the like identity role realm? Okay. So I am. Let's uh, go identity role for today. Okay. We'll get to the existential at the end. My demographics. Um, so I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, before that, I'm a person. <laughs> I <laughs> All of that. <laughs> uh, I'm a person of my own. God, it's such a hard, honestly, it's such an interesting, who am I really? No, obviously my name is Veronica. I am the co-founder and director of Baba Therapy Group. I co-founded it with my husband about six years ago now. Um, I've been a psychotherapist for, I don't know, Diana, since we met. So like 18 years ago. 2002. Two. Two. Yeah. yeah, we met in 2002. Yeah. Long time. Ago. That was a long oh time ago. Um, <laughs> a beautiful time ago. Yeah, beautiful, time beautiful ago. time ago. Oh my gosh, all the changes we've gone through since then. So, it, yeah, I have two amazing children with my husband, who I'm madly in love with. Both my children and my husband. I'm happy and glad to say, and I like them. I like my husband, and I like my children. I'm happy Still, to say, even yes. after of quarantine even after i mean there's moments where i there's moments where i don't like them 
and I want to get far away from them. But for the most part, if more of the time that you like them outweighs the time that you don't like them, that's a good, that's good. average. Yeah. And, you know, we have a dog, Molly, who's my best behaved child and uh, <laughs> two turtles. And we are, um, you know, suburbanites now. We made the move out of quote unquote city life to uh, suburbia about three years ago and feel grateful. So all in all, knock on wood, all is good. That's amazing. Yes, we did meet. 18 years ago, I was an intern. You had already started the work and we were at, where were we? We were at Greenwich outpatient, House. Greenwich House, outpatient mental health, dual diagnosis, substance abuse mm-hmm. and mental health. Yes. Yeah. With an HIV and, clinic. Yeah. I yeah. was in, I did my internship in the chemical dependency, the dual diagnosis where you did your internship. I did it the year before. That's where I met Amir. And then I moved upstairs and worked in the HIV mental health. That was my first official job out of grad school. And then right. it was just I, like such a one big happy family there. You know, or you came to, you would come downstairs to see your husband. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Who was, was, is now your husband. Yes. yes. Your career has changed, right? We don't do that. Anymore. We don't, we don't work there anymore. No. And you have a group practice very similar to Be Well, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. in two different locations, you're in Riverdale and in Midtown. We're neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. But you do individual and couples work and we are closing out a series on on communication. So we're super interested in your couples work because I also know that you are exceptional as a couples therapist. So exceptional. Yes, I've gotten some amazing feedback and we'll get to her training program later when some of our therapists went. They were like, we, we love her. And I'm like, she's Aww. mine. <laughs> I was like, you can love her from afar, but she's mine. That's so sweet. But, um, That's so, sweet. so uh, are you current, what are you doing with couples right now? What's going on oh, with the work God. that what you're am, doing? What am I not doing with couples? Um, <laughs> gosh, you know, I love couples work. I, um, I really appreciate what you said. Thank you. I, I really appreciate and I love the work. I, I found a place that I feel very comfortable in working. Couples can be very challenging. I find a lot of people, and I don't know if you find this in your practice too, when people are either beginning in the field or just used to doing individual or certain type of work, couples feel so scary, right? Like, Mm -hmm. or intimidating. And I understand that because, you know, you're, you're entering into a very intimate private space between two people that not many people enter into, right? And usually you're asked to enter in when they're in a really painful, hard place and, and perhaps acting in ways that they never thought they would imagine themselves to act or behave or feel right. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. They've invited you in and it's almost, I mean, I don't do a lot of couples work, uh, personally for many reasons, but they do <laughs> invite you into this very intimate part of their lives that normally no one, like if you think about your own relationship for those listeners who are partnered, you behave in a certain way with your partner or you react in a certain way and you're like, oh, maybe I can't believe that they still like me. <laughs> you don't want anybody to actually see that part of yourself. So yes, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, a very tender moment, one that you have, you, it's an honor to be there if, yeah. if they've, in, they've invited you in, which is a very nice way to put it. They actually have yeah. invited you in. And Anisha can speak to couples because that's all she wanted to do when she started. Really? <laughs> when I started, Veronica. Like, okay. About that so what happened? I decided <laughs> to be a therapist because I wanted to be a couple therapist. Like okay. this was just all that I wanted until I started doing the work. 
And wow, I just felt like I was stuck in the middle of two people. And I would always, I would always have a couple where one of them was very aggressive and it would generally be the woman. Mm-hmm. And she would scare me. Like, I mean, I've had a couple of different couples and this would happen in each one. The woman would always, it's like she was waiting for me to say the wrong thing and she would jump on me. And so it was just interesting work where, yes, it's a time where people are in a lot of pain, right? And some someone is reluctant to be there. And then there's always this other person who is like gung-ho, like this is the thing that we're going to do that's going to help the relationship and get us back on track. And the other person is kind of reluctant to be in there. For me, I just felt overwhelmed. I had been thinking about getting more training because I think that that's a big part of it because I want to be better at it. And I will say during the quarantine, I had been very reluctant and taking on any clients because I was thinking about what it feels like to be in a room with two people and what that would be like via video and, and mm-hmm. what I feel like I had a hold on the session, right? Mm-hmm. Or if it would just be getting away from me in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a unique way of working, especially with couples. I mean, in any of our work, because so much of our work is whole person work. It's not just mm-hmm. the verbal. You know, people say yeah. it's talk therapy, but it's it's so much more than that. It's the energy you feel the minute you engage with them and they step through the door. It's it's when you sit, it's how you sort of form yourselves around one another. And it's the same with couples. So like, you know, it's really important to, while we're now in this medium of just the video, mm-hmm. be mindful of that beyond what we see in our Hollywood squares boxes, there's so much more going on. Yeah. Right. So I'm also like in this video room, I'm not shy to say, can you just move the, the, the screen back so I can see more of you, you know, oh. or I'll ask them to maneuver their bodies. But, you know, going back to the point you made about the aggression that mm-hmm. you will find, it can be very scary and overwhelming, <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely. and you're like, holy cow, what do I do with this? And it's a very common place for a couple's therapist to find them in, in this role of, okay, they, the couples can tend to look at you as tell us who's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? right. You're a referee. <laughs> like, whose side are you on? I'm looking, I'm looking, are, are, you're with me. Are your eyes with me? Are you on my side now? See, they're, they're, they're out of their mind, right? You, you get what I mean, right? I'm like, no, 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 no. So it's, I think one of the hardest, well, it's like, the practice of saying like, I'm here to support both of you. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to be a judge and jury. Even if you want to put me in that position, that's not my role. Right. You know, I know the word non-judgmental and safe space can be overused in our field. Like if you go in psychology today and it's well-intentioned and it's <laughs> authentically implied, I create a non-judgmental safe space. Yes, it's crucial for anybody. I think especially with couples, it is really essential. That you say it, that you feel it in your body as a therapist before you go in. So one thing that I I can say doing this for so long is that a lot of my ideas and preconceived notions I had from my early adulthood about couples and how they should or shouldn't be. I mean, just it's gone. It's gone. That book is gone. We've burned it. What a relief. Like, (laughs) bye. I don't need that stuff. So, you know, you hear those phrases, things that start fast and fast. Oh, oh, you met after three weeks. You're going to get married. Oh, come on, this isn't going to last. You know, I think it's sort of like, you got to suspend the judgment and see like, who are you? What are you about? How did you come to this point? What drew you together in the first place? Mm-hmm. What learning how to tease apart how people got to where they're at and what things are really made of, but doing it in a way that's saying, Hey, I'm accepting all of you. I'm accepting both, like all of both of you here. So modeling that and creating that energy and doing it via the screen 
um, is, is challenging. Not that it can't be done, but it is challenging than, than when you meet in person. I think my first question is always, what's your love story? Because mm-hmm. before I want, before you tell me all the bad stuff, right? Like, l- let me hear the good stuff. Cause something got you guys together and yep. you know, you guys are in love. Let me hear that first before you tell me all the other bad yes. stuff about the person. And I always mm-hmm. get a smile. So I love that part, right? As soon as, like, mm-hmm. they might come in, they don't know what to expect. When, when I ask that question, everyone starts smiling. So I'm like, okay, now we'll work from here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to start. Because you do, that you forget. In yeah. the heat of the moment, you forget. When you, when you decide that you're going to go to couples therapy because of, for whatever reason. And rarely is it because, well... You know, sometimes it's normally that's therapists. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to couples counseling so that we could learn how to so we can know what it's like, right? Like I definitely have had that experience with people. I want to go into treatment, but it's always been people from the field when there isn't an issue, but just to see what the experience is like. But most people come to us when there's a fracture or when they're not be, when they're not being somebody's not being seen or. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that they're trying to communicate and they don't have the language for. I have a question. How did you start working with couples? Like what got you there? Well, my first couple that I worked with were my parents when I was 10 years old and they were divorcing in the most unamicable way. Wow. Okay. (laughs) When I think about it, that was my training. You know, I I really, I look back at that. They divorced and they probably, when there's, you know, there's so many books now about how to do a very safe, peaceful divorce and how to manage it around your kids. They did not read those books. I don't think they existed. They didn't read those. Um, you know, they were, they were, they were, you know, hurting and I was there and, um, I really did. And unfortunately, you know, our parents did, you know, take me to therapy during that time. So that was supportive, but I, I really looking back, that was my first sort of foray into couplehood and, and (laughs) understanding the pain that people go through when, you know, my parents would always say, we, we love each other. We just don't like each other. Right. Right. So maybe that's why I'm so adamant about like, it's important to like each other. The lovability is important, but in the heat of the moment and when you're feeling really hurt or, or, um, you know, disappointed or just resentful or whatever the case may be, remembering what you like. So to your point about, you know, starting about your love story and saying mm-hmm. like, I want to hear the good. It's important to give people the context because what happens when people start to hurt and get mm-hmm. stuck into those patterns and those habitual patterns that can be so destructive so and painful. can erode, so painful and can erode the good feeling. It's important to remember, A, what's the context that this is happening in? Mm-hmm. And where did we come from? Where did we start? And what was it that I did feel about you? And 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 yes, people change over time, but how to not lose the thread or, or remember the thread and, and not just become so myopic on the one bad thing. Because it's not, it tends to be, and I am that the one bad thing that they've decided is the bad thing is not the thing. (laughs) It's just, it's not the thing. It's like the histories you've brought into the relationship and where you learned how to react from and what the model was, as you are mentioning, you know, like you had a model of a parents who loved each other, but couldn't be together and like, but could see the pain and then have been able to repair that in your own life mm-hmm. and like not repeat that because you chose somebody that you like and mm-hmm. can continue to like, and who happens to be very likable. So yeah. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I well, mean, I God for that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've met him a few times. Yeah. He's quite likable. He's a a likable guy. (laughs) Yeah. And a very good choice. So I think that as we're talking about it and we're thinking about just like 
the repetition and talking about like how those patterns, how the negative patterns and how the maladaptive behaviors start to happen, oftentimes happen not from the love story, because in the love story, we tend to put on, we don't see the things like we don't, we don't see the things that are going to bug us. We don't see the miscommunications. We like take them as, oh, that's okay. That's okay. This isn't, but there was something about that miscommunication or something about that time that was comfortable, could be in my, my very limited couples treatment, but it is something, it is something that is uh, reminiscent of a wound that you actually brought to the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like that I see, and it's not like I never do couples work, obviously, but like when, um, when they do come in, like that wound was already there and they found a mirror that could like hit the wound and it does, you can heal it. And it's a place really that both people can grow. I think like if you can heal it together. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You just said so much. I could say so much on that. Every, absolutely. Please do say everything. Uh, oh my gosh. Where to start? <laughs> Look, I think that there's so much. Uh, one of my mentors said years ago, and I don't know where, where, where they got this from, but the very thing that draws people together usually is the very thing that can draw them apart. Mm, so yes. like when you're first getting together, oh, I just, he's just so easygoing and relaxed. And, but then years on, he has no uh, takes no initiative or doesn't think this is important when it's so important to me, right? It's like, you're laughing, <laughs> you know, you get it. It's, it's sort of like, well, where did this, how this meant, like what this meant to you? When did that begin to shift? And when it does begin to shift to the point you made about the earlier wounds, exactly. I tell all my clients, being in a relationship is like having a mirror being held up to yourself. Whether you want that mirror to be there or not, it's going to be there and it's going to reflect back all the parts of you that you may not want to see, you may not like to see, that you've been trying to avoid. You know, that's the work. When we talk about couples work, that's that. That's part of that work of saying, okay, maybe there's some validity to the complaints you have about me. So how can... <laughs> yes. Maybe. 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 Were, yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, just so, maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm having a personal moment, obviously. I'm like, okay, so maybe, maybe that complaint is valid. Yeah. It's valid. <laughs> I mean, there, you know, we've been a little, we've been tightly, tightly together for the oh past six months, right? So right. there are in, in this, and as we're talking and people are listening to us talk about yeah. couples work, like, are we looking and taking responsibility for our mm-hmm. own actions in the couple? Like, Ooh. what is it? What is it that we're doing to either perpetuate the partner's behavior or induce a feeling in the partner? Like, how are how are we part of the com- the actual yes movement? There's a phrase I say to my couples, which is, "What's mine? What's yours? What's ours?" So it's really important to be accountable to ourselves, and this is where self work comes in, right? Mm-hmm. And couples work doesn't have to negate the self work. There's room for both to do individual work in the context of the couple, and sometimes that can be really productive for the couple mm-hmm. to thrive. But also to be mindful of what they're aware of in terms of their own history, their own hurt parts, their own tendencies, and then seeing how the other gives life to them, right? And looking at how the other can then help in working that through. So these complaints, it's important how they're put out there. If they're put out in accusations and threats or in a disparaging or critical way, it's going to, I'm not, I'm going to be less inclined to say, oh yeah, you're kind of right. But if it's, if it is delivered to me in, you know, a little bit 
less damaging way or less mm-hmm. hurtful way. So I also talk about launching and landing, like how we launch what it is we want to say and be mindful of how it might land. Oh, I love that other. language. You can I, use that language. I'm going to invent those you, words. I'm 100% <laughs> launching and landing. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Good. I, because even, <laughs> even when, I mean, as an individual therapist, right, you do, mm-hmm. uh, you do do couples work without the couple in the room, oh, yeah. right? So like, oh, yeah. as you're giving suggestions or that person is bringing like this terrible partner to you or the best thing in the world, but like you get a version of this partner. If, if your patient is hurt, that is like the devil. And then of you're course. like, okay, whoop, how did, how did, how is it that you ended up married to the devil? Like what, like, cause we've been, we've been together for however long, like, I, did I let this happen? Like, no. Oh, so how did we that? And then, but I think that language of landing and launching to, as a takeaway, mm-hmm. like, what are you saying? And how are you, how are you imagining that that other person has heard it and internalized it? Because when it comes back to you, you want it to come back to you in a way that you can hear it and right. you can tolerate it. Right. And that's practice and that's work. And that's also being able to try to see the other for who they are rather than who they are that's doing something to you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you heard this in this way. Oh, how is that? How is it that you heard it that way? So it's there's a lot of sort of checking and reevaluating or just, you know, being curious, you know, trying to be as curious as you can about the other rather than putting a label on them and saying, you are just this. But why is it that you're behaving in this way or responding in that way? Yeah, it's so important that we don't put each other in a box. And I think that during COVID right now, that's been a little bit difficult because we've been spending just so much time with each mm-hmm. other. And then also I've been thinking about just making sure we validate each other's experiences because I, I've noticed that for me, working from home has been very rough. But for my partner, he loves it. I'm probably all wound up and anxious all the time, right? <laughs> because I need to be out. And he's like, oh, I'm great. And so sometimes I think I get upset with him because I'm like, why are you not impacted more by this? Like, like, why are you having a, a just very different feeling than me? But I had to learn how to validate that, right? Like, just because you're not in a good place, that doesn't mean he shouldn't be in a good place, right? Like, I think I'm like, kind of jealous that, you know, he's dealing with this so, so easily. But I think it's so important that we validate each other's experience. So what have you been seeing during COVID in the couples that you see? Maybe another way is what have I not been seeing? No. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, you're, a lot of that. I bet. Yeah. Like you, we know stress. It brings, I can bring out the like worst, most difficult, hard parts of ourselves and mm-hmm. it can bring out the best. Sometimes before we get to the best, we have to see the worst. Okay. So, you know, I've seen a lot of different things. I've seen things be, obviously, look, there's been a blurring of boundaries. There's been an obliteration of of boundaries to a certain extent because there's no demarcation, right, of I leave here to go to my office or go to my work and then I come back and I have some me time. I have time to feel me as myself, right? For me and Diana, you know, as you say, I'm hard to pin down. Like there's my moments in my my life pre-COVID of having time alone in my house when no one was here was so important for me to just keep doing what I do. And then it was gone. Gone. So I had to adjust to that. And it's like, Instantly. Okay, the, like, even if everybody's doing their own thing, I could still feel everybody in the house. And I'm like, oh, they're here. You know, <laughs> they're and all so, here. They're all 
here. So like with couples, I've been seeing, you know, people have been dealing with that. They've been actually, you know, when you're forced to spend that much time with one another, even if you, and some people have been able to separate like, okay, I'm going to go do my job in this room. I'll go do my job in this room or like managing kids, people with kids. And I'm one of those people with the school, the amount of stress Mm -hmm. in terms of just juggling all the different needs and different tensions and different disappointments and also all the grief. You know, I think, I don't know if a lot of people are talking about the grief that's inherent in this experience of COVID because we've lost so much of what we once relied upon as yep. healing, as what we needed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked loss, a lot about the grief. <sighs> I know. It's- loss of being able to see family and friends casually as you would want to, right? Loss of being able to go to the gym, you know, things of the things that would be healing, loss of being able to go to a yoga studio. Um, so there's a lot that we can do at home. There's a lot of loss. People have been dealing with the intensity of the reactions, intensity of um, like what you were saying, Anisha, about the different comfort levels or reactions to what COVID has brought up for them, mm-hmm. right? Where some people are thriving, like, this is great. I'm so relaxed. <laughs> I, I love working from home. Why didn't I think of doing this before? So it's just learning how to orient people to understanding one another's responses to stress, mm-hmm. sort of like that, that threat response cycle, sort of giving them psychoeducation around that and giving them reminders of the context. Like we're kind of living through a pandemic right now. So we need to put that in a context. <laughs> kind of. There's this little thing going on. It's called a, it's a, it's a pandemic. Have you heard? <laughs> yeah. Right. Just in case you didn't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also trying to talk people back off the ledge, mm-hmm. whereas it was like, that's it. I, this is not going to work. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Come back, take a breath, sit on opposite sides of the couch, widen in the screen. Let me see you both breathe. You know, let's come back. Um, let's really take stock of where you're really at. A lot of talking people off the ledge, a lot of learning how to renegotiate different social contracts with their friends or family, learning how to cue each other to one another's sensitivities to stress. I mean, not just the stress of the trauma of it, right? Right. Because it was traumatic. It's a trauma. Um, So giving people a lot more information about how to consider not just what they're going through, what their significant others are going through, what their family is going through, how they're all sort of trying to also, it's important to manage their expectations of themselves and one another. So there's been a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Diana. Oh. <laughs> my first thought, I mean, managing expectations of your partner and all, if you have kids and all of everybody, like mm-hmm. really like looking at what your expectations were six months ago when this mm-hmm. all started and like where we are. And like, as we've been here for six months, we've definitely, we've created new patterns, right? It's sure. So, and now we also have an, a whole new set of feelings. And I have a very similar situation <laughs> to Anisha where He's like, I'm never going back. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm like, how is that a thing? And it's like, he's totally fine. And I'm like, all I want to do, I, no, I want, I can't wait to go back. And I say that. And then part of me is like, oh, no, but I kind of like it. So as you were talking, I was like, I wonder if I'm just holding on to that, like that I kind of like it part to myself. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> to keep us just so that he can have the, I love it. And I can have the, I don't. Um, Mm -hmm. But as you're working with, this is more specifically about couples with children who have Mm -hmm. been home, who are Mm -hmm. in treatment. Like how are you navigating that work with the kids in the house? You know, it's uh, the couples I work with, with children, which is a a number of them. It's uh, make sure they have an iPad and a good show in front of them that they will get completely (laughs) 
you know, involved engaged and in. lost in, engaged in, and, and they try to go to another room. I've done, you know, couples therapy with couples that have gone to sit in their bathroom during the, the session. I think there was an a t- article in the New York Times about, you know, the toilet seat being the new therapist chair or something around that. I remember seeing I that. I had a client <laughs> who needed that because she was in the studio apartment, yeah. a partner, and that was the only place that she could go. Listen, I've done a session in the bathroom for sure. I've been yeah. in the bathroom, closed the door and had to have a session because there was something going on in my house. I was oh, like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that it's, has happened. So we've, and also I think what you're talking about underlying that is the a notion of flexibility and being mm-hmm. able to be flexible and kind of roll yeah. with it. I mean, I've been, I've been, you know, knocked out of rooms. I've been on a couple sessions where I've had to move from room to room because a kid came no. in and I'm like, ah, oh, oh yeah. I'm like, guys, you can't do this. The door's <laughs> locked. Don't take the lock. Right. And then there's the, there's the other side of the therapist who also has children and is working at home, right? We have, we have both sides of the couch right now. Right. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's fun. Fun times all around. Renegotiating needs, right? Mm-hmm. So something that I needed six months ago, I may no longer need. And my partner has no idea that that need has changed. So just having that space to sit down and talk about like, okay, these are my needs presently, right? Like mm-hmm. you might remember me needing all of these other things before, but I might need alone time in a way that I didn't before. So for me, I needed to take a walk every day, right? And before mm-hmm. I would ask him, did he want to come? But then I was like, no, because then if he doesn't want to come, I'm going to get mad because then I'm thinking I can't go, but I know that I need it in a way that he doesn't, right? So it's just like, I had to rethink, like, what do I really need? My personal needs, what do I need from the relationship? And being mm-hmm. able to verbalize that is so important. And I'm kind of walking people through that and just also leading with love, leading with just kind of positivity. Don't mm-hmm. go in this conversation telling someone what they're not doing, right? Like, why don't we start with what you have been doing, what I appreciate, and then ask for what you want from there. So I think it's just been so important, even in the individual work I do, to help people with the people that either they live with, either it's a partner or a friend or whoever. How do you kind of navigate this relationship while in quarantine? I think to your point, it's essential and absolutely necessary that there's more communication. First, there's time to reflect on how individual needs have changed. Mm -hmm. Some people aren't, might not take the time to sit and look at, well, I've just been kind of adapting and adjust. Cause listen, look at the trajectory we've been through. We went through crisis, yeah. right? Like adjusting to a crisis and then sort of adapting to that and making adjustments. And now we're still in this state. I mean, we're still living in a big sea of unknown. We're all on our little ships sort of, right. you know, floating mm-hmm. on the sea of unknown. We still don't know what to expect. I mean, I can't about, about the fall, they're starting school. We have no idea what, I mean, we know it's a hybrid form, but we have no idea what that's really going to look like until it happens. There's been so much energy trying to keep up with and attend to that. The point you make about knowing first what you need to be, to be able to communicate it. It's important to know first, like, what do I need right now? Yeah. Right. So before I said like before COVID, I need a time alone in my home. And I actually found that, wow, since I'm not running around like the shuttle bus driver going from my <laughs> office to the kids, and like without, without that frenzied driving kids and commuting and all that, without that, my nervous system has come down a notch. So I'm calmer. I'm even driving a little slower, which is amazing. Oh. And <laughs> when I do drive, <laughs> my friends did not recognize me. Um, that's a true story. <laughs> I believe that because again... <laughs> Trying to get her pre-COVID because she is always on the go and always. I mean, we ran into each other at 
I mean, we I both ju- we were we were at some conference and we leadership, randomly women's, uh, women's leadership, leadership conference, conference and yeah. we ran into each other and that we were so, so excited. We had such a good time, and she's like. I'm parked. <laughs> I got like two hours left, like two minutes left on my meter. Here you go. We're going to eat this right here. Go grab your sandwich. Like, get it, get it, get it. I got to go get my kids. And I'm I was very like, efficient. Yeah, very efficient. And I was like, okay. I mean, I know I, I mean, I run around all the time too and do like do all those things, but there has been like a physical, like, like when down. you don't like it, it just came down yeah. and you're right. The nervous system was blown out in that yeah. month and then blown out again and then blown yeah. out again. So yeah, really so taking care of that and f- noticing you might, your needs have are definitely different for sure. Absolutely. And supporting each other and trying to get those needs met to the, to your point, Anisha, about need, needing a walk each yeah. day and making sure you get that and seeing what your partner needs mm. and making that more of a conversation and asking each other. It's important to check in. The thing is that we, we tend to get caught up in the routine of things even if the routine gets thrown off, we we're we're, we're habit seeking creatures by our nature, so we right. end up finding another habit. And even as we find ourselves in another habit, it's important to say, "Is this habit working for me? What's working? What's not?" And we need to like redo something about this. Um, so being able to check in first and foremost with ourselves and with each other, making time, even if it's not like a formal sit down, it's like, "Hey, how you doing? What's going on for you? Like, are you okay?" Haven't talked to you in like 24 hours. I've seen you, but I haven't talked to you. you know? Right. <laughs> like, let's just catch up. Um, um, it's essential. We're going to take a quick break. Okie dokie. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. So we are back from the break, and uh, during this break, guys, I got kicked out of my hotel room because I was supposed to check out an hour ago. So now I am doing the podcast from my car. So uh, yeah, we're going to have to do a lot of editing, right, to get the air conditioner out because it's 85 degrees right now where I am. But uh, yeah, here we go. We're back. Veronica, so last week we had on a sex therapist, which you are technically not, but- right. We know that you are seeing couples. So what are you seeing with the sex positive of couples um, as they work together, live together 24-7? How is that going? I think it depends on the couple and what their core issues are that they're working on mm-hmm. and what's been sort of um, heightened during this time. And that 
you know, listen, I think couples are falling across different ends of the spectrum. Some, for some, COVID has been amazing. They've had more opportunity. They have more opportunity for spontaneous sex. Mm -hmm. They have more opportunity to share moments together that they hadn't. If couples were experiencing interruptions from outside forces, a lot of those outside forces were removed. So they were like, hey, we're here. You know, let's kind of make the most of this. Some couples have actually been thriving. And I know a lot of people don't really you know, might not think about that. They just think, oh my God, we're stuck inside. Things are awful. It's all filled with dread and angst, but it's not. Another challenge, especially with uh, couples with kids is how to find that alone time. Um, And so you got to get a little creative and clever. Um, Sometimes trying to even, you know, wake up at times when you know for sure the kids are asleep. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe making sure that the kids are going to be fully engage in a movie that you know they will not peel their eyes off the screen well there's an opportunity so like <laughs> get creative or say gee mom and dad have a work call so please you can't come in <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, trying to find creative novel ways but you know look what's sex uh, sex is it's a natural part of a relationship and I think you know as a couples therapist it's essential to talk about and talk with people about how they feel about sex, what their sexual histories were, what their orientation to sex was, what their fears, fantasies, beliefs, desires, what works, what doesn't work. It's really important to encourage that as part of the conversation. I remember supervising uh, one of the therapists where they were so anxious about bringing up sex <laughs> in the, in the couple. I'm like, you know, it's, we need to look at this because it's so important, you know, cause sex is not just, it's, it's so much, you know, beyond like the primal nature of it. It's energetic. It's, it's a connection. It's communication. It's mm-hmm. intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's, it's, it's so much. And it's so important to just, you know, bring it in and you, you got to address it. You've got to talk about it. You've got to see where it goes. You know, I've, I've, you know, a few couples that were, you know, with COVID, there's been an increased incidence of maybe contact with exes, right? Mm-hmm. We've heard <laughs> there that. can be, yeah, there, yep, there can be a, um, a, a, a tendency to want to go towards what was familiar and old, or I'm just thinking of you during this time. Cause I think that's human nature. We tend to think of people that we had connections with when there's a hard time going on, right? And so sometimes those connections can be benign, but sometimes they can lead to moments of, if not actual sexual infidelity, but emotional infidelity. So I've had a few instances where that's been the case, where there's been increased communication between one partner and an ex they had. There's been a lot of different sort of configurations happening. (laughs) I think for me, when I think about this, is sex is a huge de-stressor for people, right? And this is the time when people are dealing with a lot of stress, right? So it's really great for de-stressing. It Mm -hmm. also makes you feel sexy in a way a lot of us haven't felt, right? Because we've kind of been in a house with like sweats on, t-shirts, whatever. Like it's a way to feel like sexy again, um, just to kind of feel like validated. You feel connected with the person again. You know, when I talk to some of my clients, I'm like, are you talking about sex with your, your, your partner. Like what are you talking about? What type of sex you need? Right. Mm -hmm. I think that that's so important. Maybe you guys should be buying sex toys, right? Just thinking of all of the ways that you can kind of add this little bit of a spark. So Mm -hmm. for you, do you have any tips that our couples could kind of use to add a little bit of a spark in the bedroom right now? Oh, gee. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Look, I think that 
all the points you made are really important, especially the one about sex being a distressor. Yeah. Um, it is. That's a very good point. And so, you know, I think it's really important to make it, make it, uh, not to let it fall by the wayside. Right. Mm, okay. So bringing spark, getting creative, talking, making time to talk about what's more exciting for one another, you know, sex toys, whatever is going to work, lingerie, role play, um, looking at, a, at erotic videos or whatever is going to be exciting or help to make their mind and their focus shift towards what they're swimming in during the day. Because I think, again, to remember that there aren't really so many boundaries or opportunities for creating boundaries. So one of the tips is how to get creative to create boundaries so that there can be more moments of privacy between two people, especially if children are in the house, or to make a cognizant <laughs> effort to say, we're turning work, work off if kids aren't in the house and people can just get lost in work and there isn't a break. Like, take a break now. We're going to go. We're going to go have a, let's go have a date. And even like getting dressed up. You know, one thing that has happened is that everybody's gotten so used to wearing sweats or leggings <laughs> or oversized t-shirts and slippers that get dressed up. Go on a date. Right. Get dressed up. Yeah. Have, have a date <laughs> outside, you know, get dressed up in whatever you want to get dressed up in. That's going to work, <laughs> you know? Totally. I mean, you got to hold Unabashedly, you know, just do it. I agree with all of that. I think that really making sure I like how we were talking about, you were talking about Veronica, like creating boundaries and that there is an end of the day and that you do make it a priority. I mean, making it is part of your relationship and it doesn't go by the wayside. And when you're together 24 seven and you don't have the boundaries, then you don't want to lose without the boundaries. You may lose the desire for each other, right? Mm -hmm. Because it becomes, you could be, you don't want to become roommates, right? You want, mm -hmm. you want to have that spark. You want to have whatever yes. it is that you can do to create the spark. So you do have a, a separation in your day and harder with children. I do like your ideas. Make sure that the, when you put the headphones on them while they're watching their iPads, <laughs> so that it's not too loud <laughs> right? and all of those things. But yes, like it is much harder with people with children and how mm -hmm. to create that time and know, uh, I was a little tired when you said wake up in the middle of the night, but it is, it is something that's important, right? Like if you mm -hmm. put that in, you're like, Hey, 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 cause now's the time where you have the time to yourself. So that is really important. And also mm -hmm. while you've been home reading and examining, and you've seen more of your partner than mm -hmm. you ever have. Mm -hmm. And like, acknowledging their, their body language, like what mm -hmm. it, cause their body in this new way that we live, the body mm -hmm. language and the way that like, we may normally that what's the tell, you know, mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's, this is your tell. This is, this is when we, you mm -hmm. want me now. Like it mm -hmm. might be different. Well, I think people can become complacent. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think to your point, it's also important to not lose, you know, we talk about the mystery that's behind yeah. eroticism, um, the playfulness, the seductive part. It's important to remember the parts that are exciting about one another and mm -hmm. to draw those both out within yourself and the other. It's important to look at one another and not to become just complacent in the overflow, you know, overall flow of the day. Right. When you talk about body language, are you talking about in terms of cueing each other for, for sexual intimacy or just yes. overall? Like, yeah. you know, there's a tell. Like, you're like, oh, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. now's the time? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that you might, 
you might lose that, right? Like because right. of the complacency of being at mm-hmm. home of like, mm-hmm. maybe, I mean, I, we, I had talked about this recently that like being in my sweatpants all day or being in leggings or like, even like just not getting out of whatever, like not getting out of your pajamas and you're like, Oh Jesus, I'm still in my pajamas. Right. (laughs) Like how did that, how did, how did that happen? And then really making an effort. Like I may, I do my best to make an effort to get dressed for work because it makes me feel better. And also it sets a boundary, right? Like I'm at work now. This is my work outfit. So that like it's in my head, but also and in that boundary, then when I can, like he has it too. So we can just make sure that we're both back and forth uh, mm-hmm. with that. But also when we're talking about body language, when you work with couples, what do you look for with the body language within, with the two? Like, oh, when you, wow. and especially now over mm-hmm. the video, because it's so different because I know like when they come into your office mm-hmm. and they sit down, like one of the things that you can, like, where do they sit? How do they sit? Like, how do they sit together? Do they look at each other, but now they're like in their own home. So it's different. So what's mm-hmm. been happening? What's been happening is that I have to use a lot more verbal cueing and ask for a lot more um, verbal feedback. And I'll give instruction to say, can you pull the computer away so you can widen the lens so I can see more of you? Can you turn your body? What's happening now? I've been doing a lot more of the cueing of that because I am missing what I would normally see when I'm in the shared physical space with them. Right. Right. So much is coming Look, I mean, what is it like 80% of communication is nonverbal. I mean, so much is also just, um, not just how they're, how they're sitting and turning, but it's the energy in their body. And that's, that's palpable. That's tan. Like you feel that. It's so, yeah, it's so important to be able to feel that. So important. And it can be um, so subtle that it's harder for that to come through on the screen. So I do find myself asking a lot more questions. And I'm a big proponent. And I I think my clients probably get tired of me saying like, let's slow things down, like slow it down. I want to check that check that in because what they'll do is just keep going with a thread. And if I can't see the full body, I'm like, wait, I'm missing the fullness of what you just said. I think it's important. We need to go back and capture that. So we're, so we're clear. So, you know, also it's important to remind our clients and the people we're working with to be mindful of what their partner's body language is and not to make the assumptions that they perhaps have been, or not to fall into the assumptions that they perhaps have been making, which then tips off a belief about them that might not be accurate. Right. Misread body cues for sure. Exactly. So like you're shrugging your shoulders, like you think that they're brushing you off. Maybe they're just feeling helpless right now. You know, let's see what that actually means. Let's test it out and check it out. So reality testing, you know, some of the body language and seeing what it actually is, you know, so there's been a lot more of that part of saying, okay, can you, can you just pull that back? And there's a lot of interruptions. The, the, the uncomfortable thing is when there is a, disruption in the connection and usually that happens at like a really meaty important moment it's just really uncanny and I'm like oh damn <laughs> and you're like, like wait 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 hold <gasps> on yeah I'll call you back no. hold on I'll call like speaking like, of I say that again? again and speaking of that I think yes. Anisha has pulled over and is back <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure but I think she's I'm back, back. Can you hear oh, me? Yes. Welcome okay. back. Welcome. <laughs> my iPad overheated and turned oh, off. <laughs> so now I'm on my cell phone. Oh, okay. Do you have anything you want to add about body language, Nisha? 
no, I'm trying to, I, I, I didn't hear everything. So <laughs> I'm back. I'm listening now, but I do think that body language is very important. I've actually done a couples therapy session since we've been in quarantine. And so it was just very interesting to try to get both of us in the picture where she could mm-hmm. see the two of us. And so like, and then I had like a ring light so she could, so there was enough light. There's so many things going on, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to deal with the actual session, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to kind of communicate to your partner, whatever it is that you need to communicate, be able to listen to them, thinking about can the therapist hear you and see you. And, you know, it's just so, it's so it feels very busy, I will say. Being in a couple session myself, it feels very busy. So I don't oh, know how word. it feels for you as the therapist, because I haven't done it as a therapist. I've only done it as the client, mm-hmm. but it just felt super busy that I had to really try and focus on him and on me and why we were, why we were actually there with her, right? Like what we needed to talk about. That's a very good word. Busy. It can be, there's distractions that happen. Mm-hmm. And trying not to get lost in the distraction and come back and not lose touch with the thread of the work or the thread of the connection and the engagement, because it's still about keeping that engagement. Like, I, I mean, you know, we look at this work, but when I sit down, I take a breath, I ground myself. And it's, it's almost like you sit, step into a meditation, for lack of a better word. It's sort of like, I'm breathing with you. I'm feeling with you. I'm trying to track you. I'm trying to attend to what's happening as it's coming up with as fullness of my own presence as possible. Right. Yes. But then there's all this stuff that happens that pulls away. So yes, it gets busy. It gets, it gets cluttered, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can get cluttered. Yeah, yeah. That's a good word too. So trying to tune out the clutter, which I mean, I don't know, maybe being a working mom that kind of has helped in my training. Of <laughs> because there's of, yeah. Of clutter. Like You're able to, there's like so I'm much clutter. There. Wonderful. And um, before you stop, please tell mm-hmm. our, listeners, our listeners what Baba means. Bhava means being, it's a Sanskrit word and it means being and becoming. So it's, it's about, you know, first we meet people where they are, Mm -hmm. accept and create space for their full being. And it's about supporting them on their path to becoming their, their best selves, you know, really. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. It's a very beautiful choice. I was, you know, and you know, I got that yoga thing going, so I have to have something. <laughs> I know. And I was so excited to see it. I, um, I taught at a yoga studio called Baba Fruit ever, forever and ever and ever when it was in the East Village. So uh, I was happy to see it. it warms my heart. Uh, so to end every show, we flip the album to the B-side. <laughs> I'm just going to keep using What it. are you going to say? Oh my God, we flip it over to the B-side where we don't talk about anything that we just spoke about. And Anisha asks you a couple questions so we can get to know you a little bit a little bit better from a different lens, madam. So, so I'm going to go with my fun question first. Okie dokie. If you could have an endless supply of any food, what would you get? An endless supply of any food. Um, Ooh, good question. I mean, it's funny. My first place I go to is pasta, but I already have an endless supply of that in my cupboard. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. That feels like too easy. Maybe um, eggplant parm. Ooh. That's a good yes, one. I love a good parm. You didn't say like or, waffles or something. You said eggplant um, parm. I don't know. Maybe because I had some last night. Maybe peanut butter and jelly. 
<laughs> I, I, you know, I'm going to go, I, yeah, I, 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 if I have to choose for you, I'm going to go with like, there's nothing like a good eggplant farm. You can have it there like all by itself. Yeah, like it's if so the eggplant good. is like nice and thinly sliced, right? Or you can have it in a hero. I mean, there's so yeah. many. Oh, there you I go. I'm getting okay. hungry. Now I'm getting yeah. hungry. <laughs> I, know. I, I am clearly hungry. Okay, girl. What's number two? <laughs> okay. How have you been kind today? Oh, to yourself, to others, however yeah. you want to. I mean, she's so kind. Okay, so. you're so sweet. Um, uh, to myself, I um, made sure that I did my meditation and I practiced a little yoga, even though it was just seven minutes. It's seven minutes, other than zero minutes. Um, and kind to my family. I took my dog out. I helped my daughter when she was feeling frustrated, and I gave her hugs and kisses and love instead of being like be quiet because I can't hear this right now. I was like, come here and let me hug you. Um, and, uh, you know, I did the laundry, I did some laundry, put some dishes away, got the pool filter cleaned and ready for my son so he can spend oh, this afternoon. Yeah. You have a pool? Oh, Amir and I, with us, <sighs> two gentlemen, built an above ground pool in our yard for wow. the kids this summer. That was a mission and a half. All right. Can so, you picture us building a pool? Can you picture no, a mirror building no, a pool? <laughs> no, no, I cannot. So I love that visual. And also, um, Anisha, now we know where to invite ourselves on the weekend. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's it's good. Really it's building really cold. It's really cold. A pool during COVID. Like that's, oh, that's, that's good parenting, parenting right there. Yeah. That, is, that is good parenting. Super Best smart. decision we made this yeah. summer. Best decision. <laughs> well, Veronica, thank you so much. And uh, I can never get enough of you, as you know. So we look forward to connecting with you again, um, maybe here on the podcast, but definitely offline when we, uh, when our groups, please, when our groups hang out together. Please. Uh, okay. So, Anisha, stay safe. Stay safe. Yeah. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. And wear, wear the mask. <laughs> thank you so much. And, uh, if you are suffering in any way, you know where to find us at bewellpsychotherapy.com. You can text BeWell to 484848 and we will connect you with a therapist today. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so day, much. Good this was wonderful. Thank Bye, you. guys. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to bewellpsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's bewellpsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.